Hello, classic movie fans. This is Johnny again, and I wanted to do another episode for our Classic Hollywood Memories podcast. And today's episode, I wanted to focus on the career of the great Gene Kelly, you know, great dancer, also dramatic actor. Started out in Broadway in 1942 with uh, My Pal Joey, which, of course, Frank Sinatra made more famous in that picture in 1950s. So Gene Kelly started out. You know, he had the success with My Pal Joey in 1941. And as the story goes, Judy Garland had discovered him by being in New York at the time and had seen the play. And, of course, she was blown away by Gene Kelly's talents and was convinced that he could become a major film star. So she went over to MGM, convinced Louis B. Mayer to bring him over and to do her next picture with him. And, of course, Judy Garland at this time was transitioning away from the musical roles with uh, Mickey Rooney and wanted to also uh, amplify herself and expand her range as an actress. So the next project she was doing was for Me and My Gal in 1942. So Gene Kelly got the co-starring role with her and George Murphy at the time. And here, this movie was terrific because when you look at the background of it, you know, the United States had just gotten into World War II. They were, it was just, they were, the bombing of Pearl Harbor had just taken place. So all the Hollywood studios were going to do their part for the war effort, trying to produce pictures that, you know, lifted morale and also to raise war bonds as well for the war effort. So for, for me and my gal was a musical dra- uh, drama picture. And this one was terrific because looking at how it all began, the title number uh, for me and my gal dance routine that Judy and Gene did in that restaurant, that was the start of Gene Kelly's career. But this movie was more noteworthy for me because Gene Kelly as a dramatic actor cannot be overlooked. I mean, he had some moments in here, especially the part where they discover, well, he discovers that Judy's character was falling in love with him. And, you know, I never forget that famous line, why didn't you tell me I was, I was falling in love with you? You know, so that was a very, there was some good romantic scenes there. The cinematography was terrific in black and white. And here, Gene Kelly's character lets down Judy's character because of his selfishness and trying to be able to score an opportunity to play in the Palace, which is a prestigious uh, theater in New York at the time. And so he was selfish in doing so. I'm not going to give away the plot, uh, the, what happened there, but... When Judy finds out what he had done, you know, just uh, that's where the, dr- uh, the drama really picks up because now he's going out of his way to try to ingratiate himself to, what, uh, to her and to what he had done and try to make amendment, amends for what he had did, trying to re-enlist in the war. And of course, he redeems himself in the end, but those sequences between him and Judy was very romantic and very powerful. And you could see why. MGM made the right choice. Gene Kelly was a star. He arrived in his very first picture. He made that impact. So then, obviously, during the war effort, MGM and a lot of the other studios at the time, they took some of their best actors and they tried to put them in war pictures to try to, again, elevate the morale and then just to experiment to see what range their stars had, especially the new incoming ones. So 1943's pilot number five was noteworthy because... It paired up Gene Kelly with another up-and-comer that MGM had big plans for, Van Johnson, with an established star, Franchot Tone, who was also a big uh, moneymaker for MGM in the 30s. So this movie did very well. Pilot number five is a very short picture, but it did well at the time. 
And you can see why Van Johnson ended up also becoming a star in the 1940s and Gene Kelly showing his range, uh, dramatic roles there. So after showing that he could do a little bit of drama and dancing in For Me and My Gal and in pilot number five, now he goes right into uh, all-star feature, Thousands Cheer in 1943. So this one had some of the big A-listers at the time for MGM. And it's interesting because here at this time, this is where a lot of the studios in harmony with the war effort, they would do like these all-star extravaganzas with some of their best uh, performers. And it would feature live performances just to be able to raise war bonds and just raise uh, the profile, profile of their stars. And so that one did well for them. Again, they did another war picture, put Gene in the Cross of Lorraine. This one did very well for the studio. But now, when you go into 1944, this is where Gene Kelly became a superstar. In 1944, he did a picture called Cover Girl, a musical in color. And this one f was famous because, if, to a lot of people today, is because it features the great reader Hayworth. And this movie was important because while the plot was not great, you know, there was the one sequence that made Gene Kelly, it started him on the road to being a legend. And that was the Invisible Man dancing sequence or dancing, uh, the reflection of Gene Kelly dancing with himself. So now at that time, that technology was just coming out. But MGM being the, the cream of the crop of the studios, they were the Rolls Royce of the, of the Hollywood studios in their day. They were willing to push the boundaries of greatness even further. And so this movie did really well because of that. And this actually was what helped Gene Kelly also inspire him to be more creative in his dance routines, his choreography, and trying to push the boundaries of what he had done previously. So that was also very good. And in that same year of 1944, he actually ended up doing a picture with uh, Deanna Durbin, Christmas Holiday. And in this one, Gene Kelly plays a darker character. This movie was not, you know, his, his, you know it's kind of a dubious title. Uh, Christmas Holiday was actually a dark picture. And this one didn't do too well for Deanna Durbin's career. She was using this role to try to reinvent herself as a dramatic actress. She didn't want to be typecast any longer doing those family musical pictures that she had done in her youth. She wanted to keep flourishing as an actress. But this one didn't bring her that success that she had wanted. But Gene Kelly did really well and he got good notices for this role. So, of course, he continued on. 1945, this is where his career took another turn because now he did his first picture with Frank Sinatra, Anchors Away, another musical in color. This one featured the great uh, Catherine Grayson. She had some beautiful uh, sing, uh, opera singing roles in this movie. But this one was terrific because, of course, Gene, uh, Gene Kelly, who was already a star, you know, he had the two big hits with For Me and My Gal and Cover Girl. But in 1945, Frank Sinatra's career was ascending as a vocalist. He was doing very well. He was a big hit with Columbia Recording Studios. And in the 1940s, the Bobby Soxer era was going on. So Frank Sinatra was a major singing star. So at that time, it was customary as is today. Whenever there's a great performer, a great singer, they always want to bring them over into pictures and to capitalize on that fame that they have. And so they did the same with uh, Frank Sinatra here. And he actually got uh, star billing over Gene Kelly in this movie, which is saying something. Just so that way people understand uh, 
the star uh, uh, platform that Frank Sinatra had at that time. But Anchor's Away was a major hit for MGM. This one had some good dance sequences between uh, Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra. But the, the sequence or the scene that's most remembered where Gene Kelly and MGM really pushed the boundaries of creativity and we were all rewarded for it was the dance routine in animation with uh, Jerry the Mouse from Tom and Jerry, the cartoon. And so this one was terrific. It was a major, major accomplishment for MGM. They set the trend there. And this one was a big hit for MGM. And this one was important because if this movie didn't do too well, the other successes that Gene Kelly had in the 40s would never have materialized. So after doing that, he ended up appearing in another all-star feature, uh, Ziegfeld Follies in 1945. And he did terrific here in his sequence. And he actually did here in 1945. This movie was so important because he did a dance routine with Fred Astaire, the Babbitt and the Bromide. So you definitely want to check that out. That's the only time they ever collaborated together. It would have been interesting to see them do a whole movie together like Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire did. So that's something, of course, we'll never get. But that would have been terrific to have been able to see it. So Gene continued. Now his career, of course, was ascending. As I mentioned, he started his career with Judy Garland. Judy was a big star at that time, but now things were changing a little bit. In 1948, they reunited for their second picture together, The Pirate. And of course, Judy already at this time was having some of her difficulties, you know, with the, the drugs that MGM had given her to try to, you know, her and other young stars, they had given them this regimen of different uh, drugs to try to help them to get more energy, to be able to endure their long filming sessions. And of course, it took a heavy toll on Judy Garland's psyche and on her physical uh, health as well. So at this time, she was having issues adapting to all of that. She was already getting the reputation of someone that was not being reliable. And this movie had a lot of beautiful sequences. The Be a Clown dance number was terrific between them two. And But this movie didn't do that well for MGM. It wasn't really a big moneymaker for them. And so Gene continued on that year with doing the Three Musketeers. And this movie always does well whenever they do a, a rendition of this, that famous tale. And Lana Turner was in this one and she was beautiful as ever. And so this one did very well for MGM, the Three Musketeers in color as well. But then in 1949, this is where Gene's career really took off. His prime years were from 1949 to 52. Well, if I would actually say 1949 to 55 was when he really had some, his uh, career really became legendary. Before 1949, he did Words and Music, another all-star uh, casting. You know, as, as I mentioned, all the studios were doing it and he did well in his sequence here. But then 1949 was interesting because this is where things really took off first they did Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And this is the one where Frank Sinatra, Gene Kelly reunited after the success of Anchors Away. But this time, this one also featured Jules Munchen, who was a very, you know, underrated actor who was very well known for his comedic talents. So then this one also had the great Esther Williams as well in color. And this cast was important because Take Me Out to the Ball Game did so well for MGM that... By them doing so well and profiting from this uh, movie, that's how On the Town was able to be created the following year in 1949. So even though out of the three pairings that Sinatra and Kelly did together, um, 
anchors away, take me out to the ball game and on the town, take me out to the ball game is the least known out of the three, but it was the one that actually made it possible for on the town to be made. Because obviously when at that time in Hollywood's golden age, whenever a studio struck gold with a pairing or with just a cast, they always tried to regroup that cast in a future picture to be able to capitalize on that success. So On the Town did just that. This one brought Jules Munchen and Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly together as sailors on 24-hour leave in New York based on the famous Broadway play. And the title number to start the movie is legendary. Uh, New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. So this one here set the stage for the movie. This one had beautiful dance sequences. It had a good romantic angle between uh, Vera Ellen and Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra and Betty Garrett. So it also featured the great talents of Ann Miller. Her tap dancing was terrific in this movie. So you can just see when you bring in great talent together and everyone's willing to do their part just to make a masterpiece. And they did just that. On the Town to me is a masterpiece on the same level as Singing in the Rain. So Gene Kelly ended the 1940s. He was a great star for MGM, uh, dancing, musicals, dramatic actor, uh, war pictures. He had done it all, you know, great success in that decade. Now, the 1950s is where he entered his peak. 1950, he did Summer Stock. He reunited a third time with Judy Garland. But this one, this picture was noteworthy because now this is where Judy's career was really like on the precipice of ruin. You know, she would really had become acquired that reputation of being unreliable. And you can see it. There's some sequences in the movie where Judy's physical appearance looks different than in other scenes because, you know, she was dealing with the repercussions of the drug addiction. It was a lot of personal things going on in her life. But Gene Kelly, as a true sport, and of course, as repayment for what Judy did for him in 1942. You know, he did this picture with her. He wanted to do it with her. He wanted to do his part to resurrect her career. And Judy, you know, it's interesting. We see just appreciate the talents that she had. You know, the some of the sequences that they did there, the barnyard dance number, her solo uh, uh, singing, like, for example, the song Howdy Neighbor. I mean, she was wonderful in that. And so when you look at that, even though she was going through all her difficulties, her talent shined through. This picture was terrific. It didn't do as great as On the Town did for MGM, but it has also grown in appreciation over the succeeding decades. And Gene Kelly is also famous in this movie for the dance sequence with the newspaper. So that's one that you'll definitely appreciate as well. So great picture to me all the way around. Now, 1951 and 1952, he did the two pictures that he's going to be most remembered for, An American in Paris. Great picture for MGM. It won six Academy Awards. Gene Kelly was playing a painter in Paris. He had some great dance numbers here. And the 17-minute ballet sequence that he did. And, of course, this featured Leslie Caron, who ended up having a good career herself. And, you know, just a romance in Paris. Any movie that's based with that, uh, romantic uh, sequences in Paris, always usually does well. And this one did well for MGM. It was a great hit. Although many people years later always question whether that Academy Award for Best Picture holds up, you know, considering that in that year, an African Queen was uh, was made with Catherine Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. So some people have questioned, you know, Streetcar Named Desire. Many, many people have questioned whether that was the right choice in hindsight. But I could understand why audiences 
1951, really appreciated this movie. It was very, Gene Kelly pushed the boundaries here and this movie did very well. And you got to understand too, you know, the country was six years removed from a world war. The Korean War had just started the previous year. So, you know, at that time, audiences looked for an escape from all that stuff. So I could see why an American Paris won for best picture, just like in 1950, there was some also controversy with the movie selection that year, you know, Born Yesterday won the best picture that year, but that'll be a, a topic for another episode. So Gene Kelly did great with American in Paris, six Academy Awards. You know, he had arrived as a performer. He was actually in some of his prior pictures. I didn't mention that he also helped co-direct, you know, so with On the Town with Stanley Don and directing, Gene Kelly had a lot of input into those dance sequences and just the overall direction of the picture. So you could see that he was also expanding his talents to try to also become a director down the line, and he succeeded in doing so. So then 1952 arrives, and Gene Kelly does the movie that he's most remembered for, even though at the time when it was released, it didn't do too well for MGM, Singing in the Rain in 1952. And of course, we all know how legendary this movie is, the Singing in the Rain dance number. They say that Gene Kelly did this with a 103-degree fever. So whatever the case may be, if I don't know if that's exaggerated, but he was sick and he did a great scene and it became legendary. And Singing in the Rain, of course, through the decades has been appreciated more for its impact. It actually was listed by the American Film Institute as number five, I believe, for one of the 100 greatest movies of all time in their 2007 edition. So it continues to grow in popularity. And it should definitely be remembered. The good morning number between Donald O'Connor, uh, Debbie Reynolds, and him was terrific also. And the romantic scenes, I mean, Gene Kelly did terrific, especially when he sang the uh, musical number. Well, not the musical number, the song to Debbie Reynolds, You Were Meant For Me. That was very beautiful. He had a very good voice. And that's something that gets overlooked too. And a lot of the musicals that he made, his singing sequences were very good. He had a good voice. Definitely, he was more than a triple threat. I mean, he could sing, he can dance, he can do dramatic roles, and he can also direct. So, terrific. Gene Kelly showed all his talents. 1942 to 1952, those 10 years. I mean, what a career <laughs> that he had there. No letdowns there. Almost all his movies were profitable. Now, after 1952, this is where things took a, a little bit of a nosedive. You know, not in terms of his talents, but just in the reception of some of the movies that he made. For example, Brigadoon in 1954 was a very good movie because it was based on a successful Broadway play, but this movie didn't do too well for MGM. And I remember reading in Jane Powell's autobiography that MGM invested a lot in the success of Brigadoon. But what happened was uh, Jane Powell's uh, musical Seven Brides for Seven Brothers ended up making way more money than Brigadoon did for MGM. So she always talked about the irony of that. So here in Brigadoon, Gene Kelly reunited with Sid Charisse. She appeared in that great sequence in Singing in the Rain. And this movie was good because Van Johnson was able to show off his uh, dancing skills as well. And this one had a good romantic angle. The Heather on the Hill dance sequence with Sid Charisse was magical. And the Go Home to Bonnie Jean dance routine with Van Johnson and Gene Kelly was also very entertaining. And this one has, was also a message movie. This one had a powerful message about what's more important, uh, money, career, you know, that emptiness that could follow if you just dedicate yourself to that. So this movie, to me, was ahead of its time. 
didn't do too well for the studio, but it also has grown in appreciation over the years. And then in 1955, Gene Kelly did It's Always, for, Always Fair Weather. And this one was kind of it's an irony here because Gene wanted this movie to be considered like a sequence to On the Town. So he wanted to reunite with himself, Gene, uh, Frank Sinatra and Jules Munchen. But of course, that was not meant to be Frank Sinatra. I don't know if he declined this role or if he was uh, tied up because of his movie contract to do another picture. So they ended up having to settle for Dan Daly in this picture and Michael Kidd. But what's interesting is that the Always Fair Weather, there was some interesting scenes here because, of course, Sid Charisse was here. But Michael Kidd, who also had a great uh, dancing ability, and he also helped contribute to the choreography done in this movie. But what was really in, uh, compelling was that Gene Kelly there was had two big scenes that ended up being legendary in this movie. The dancing, uh, the garbage can movie scene with all three of the title characters dancing with a garbage can fastened to their feet. That was very entertaining, took a lot of skill. But to me, the sequence that Gene Kelly did, uh, I Love Myself, with the roller skates, that was very creative. And that one was very an ambitious undertaking. And he did terrific in that sequence. And I think that one is the equal of the singing in the rain dance number. I mean, that one was terrific. And so it was a good movie. The ending was a little too bleak, too dark. So I don't know if that contributed to it not doing too well for MGM. Also, we got to take into account that at that time, the musicals, the interest in musicals was waning because now people wanted to see more realistic pictures. The film noir had done so well post-war, starting in 1941. And so you could understand why some people wanted to see... They didn't want to see too many of those fantasy musicals. They wanted the screwball comedies. It had also declined a little bit. But the film noir and the gutty realist war pictures was taking over the westerns. And that's why a lot of actors, they went towards that direction. So here, Gene Kelly continued. You know, obviously here... His pictures were not doing as well. You could see the end was near. Also, MGM by this time was already, the studio system was, you know, declining because of that uh, land, landmark court decision that was made where the movie studios had to sell their theater holdings. So this affected the revenue and the structure that the studios exerted for all those years. So now they were losing influence. They were losing money. So obviously those big productions that they had done so well in the past, they were unable to do at that time. So it continued where Gene Kelly's career, he did, for example, in 1958, he did with um, Natalie Wood, Marjorie Morningstar. This one was a drama picture. This one didn't do too well for the studios. Even Gene Kelly himself lamented the fact that the age gap between them two also contributed to the negative reception in that movie. And he's probably right, you know, but, you know, I think it was a good, good picture. But of course, it was not a big hit maker for the studio. Now, 1960, Gene Kelly did his part to contribute to a masterpiece of a movie, and that to me was Inherit the Wind. Of course, the main players in this was Spencer Tracy and Frederick March, based on the famous um, evolution controversy in the 1920s. And this one was good because Gene Kelly played a reporter covering the trial, and he had some good one-liners, and it was just such a tr great dramatic picture that he actually showed, continued to expand his dramatic range. And you could see it either way. If he would have just stuck with musicals, he would have become, he still would have been a legend. But if he would have just been a dramatic actor, he would have been just as good. I mean, he was very talented, you know. So it's not good, not fair to just consider him a great dancer. I mean, he did so much more in his career. 
And so after 1960, this is where Gene started to transition a little bit more into directing. And it culminated, he directed a couple of pictures here, and it culminated in 1969 where he actually directed uh, Barbara Streisand and Hello, Dolly. And this picture did really well at that time. So Gene, of course, started to show, even with all the different movies that he did for MGM, he didn't just choreograph the dance routines, but he also contributed to the direction of the picture. So he could have also, in this time, if, you know, he still had a great interest in dance, he wanted to promote dance, that, that was his passion. But if he would have just been just a director, he, he would have been a legend in that capacity as well. So he had a great career. Gene Kelly was a big part of Hollywood's golden age. I think it's unfair to compare who was better. You know, as people do in this day and age, they always like to say who was better, one or the other. So there's, of course, that comparison with Fred Astaire is always going to be there. There was other good dancers in the MGM in the studios in the 1940s and 50s. But Fred and Gene are considered the, the top, and rightfully so. I mean, they just had long careers. They danced different routines. Some of them were musicals. Some of them were dramas interspersed. And they each, believe it or not, shared different co-stars. Like, of course, Fred Astaire did one picture with Judy Garland, uh, Easter Parade, which is such a classic. And believe it or not, Easter Parade was supposed to be Gene Kelly's role. But playing volleyball, he was a very you know avid outdoor enthusiast, and he was very competitive, and he fractured his ankle, and so he couldn't do the picture. And at this time, Fred Astaire, after doing Blue Skies with Bing Crosby and not satisfied with the direction in his career... He was ready to retire from the big screen. So when Gene Kelly fractured his ankle, it opened the door for Fred to be able to take this role. And this Easter Parade was a classic. And that movie shows the talent that MGM had that they can just pick any star they wanted, bring them in, and the movie could still be a success. And the, just the collaboration between the star and the studio in putting together a great picture so this actually, by this happening, this unfortunate event of Gene Kelly fracturing his ankle, that opened a door for Fred Astaire after the success of Easter Parade to continue his career. And then, of course, in the 1950s, he had other great roles. You know, Royal Wedding in 1951, The Bandwagon, Daddy Longlegs. So, you know, an unfortunate event actually created a better opportunity for Fred Astaire at MGM at that time. So great legends of Gene Kelly did so much for Hollywood's golden age. He should always be remembered. It's not a good idea to always compare, you know, one actor with another and say who was better. They both were great. And we should all be thankful that they were there and they left a lasting legacy with their pictures. So I thank you so much for listening in on this episode. Again, if you want to support my podcast, uh, you can become a sponsor on Patreon.com. Or you could even go to our, my Twitter account, A Classic Hollywood Memories, as well. So thank you so much for listening on this episode. I, this podcast is also approved today to be heard on iHeartRadio as well. So it's on Spotify, Apple Music. So it's definitely getting bigger. And I thank you all for listening in and look forward to the next episode with you. Thank you so much.